Look at my butt. Show number 257 of Look at His Butt. LT and JK Talk Trek. Okay. Listeners. Here we are on Earth. <laughs> Ready to talk about all the wonders of the galaxy. It's true. I was going to say something like the only Earth we know, but that may not be true. So uh, I, I decided to retract that statement before it came out of my mouth. It's it's our Earth, though. It's the one it's, that we yeah, live on. Right now. It's, it's yeah, it's ours. <laughs> <laughs> We're not doing a very good job taking care of it, sadly. No, we sure as hell aren't, but, but oh well. Oh my goodness. Okay, but there was a lot going on in Trek world. Yes, and a lot of stuff coming up, which is also very interesting. Yes, so. many, many things coming up. And um, then we had, you know, we were like doing our homework of yes. watching things and listening to things. So this could be a jam-packed show. Yeah, as as always, and this time lots of reviews, as you yes. think. Yes. So the first thing I want to say is um, I was watching one of the things that I'm going to talk about later. And as I turned it off and I was like, oh, I wonder what's on TV. And Galaxy Quest was on. And I was Yay! like, Yay! And I caught it just from um, the part where um, they destroy the enemy. So, you know, they're going through the minefield and he's dragging okay. mines and all that. So cool. that was good. And it was, it was, boy, that movie's good. <laughs> you know? It, it is. It holds up so well. Oh, watching it again, I was like, this is a perfect movie. Everything uh-huh. about it is so good. And all the performances are amazing. And it's just, it's wonderful. Anyway. And, and it never gets tired. I mean. Never. When they're pulling out a space dock. Oh, oh my God. It's just so funny. <laughs> there, there are so many little moments in it mm-hmm. that were just like this time in particular when they did the um, the Galaxy Quest, the journey continues and they show the opening credits to the new show. Yes. And everybody is just so pitch perfect. And the look that Alan Rickman does, uh-huh. he turns away from his science monitor and he sort of narrows his eyes and raises yeah, his just... eyebrow. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so funny. <sighs> anyway, so anyway. I'm watched. Oh, did you want to contribute something no, else there? No, no. Go right ahead. So I'm watching it, and they are zooming towards Earth, and they have to separate, and they say goodbye to the Thermians, and and that's all good. And in the next scene, they're crashing into the parking lot. And Wait, I they like, cut all the part about Brendan getting fireworks? Yeah, yeah, they cut that whole part. Like, there wasn't even a commercial in there. It was just <sighs> them zooming toward the planet and then crashing in the parking lot. I was like... Wait a minute, they cut that whole thing, which was like the Mm. end of Brandon's story arc. Yes. Without that, you don't really get the whole picture. I mean, he and his friends are there in front of Mm -hmm. the stage when they all come stumbling out and they take their bows and all that. But that was a really important part of of the story. It wasn't Mm -hmm. just like a fun thing. I mean, it was funny and all, but I was just, I was appalled. I was yelling at the television. Yes. Inexcusable. That's terrible. So if you watch it on TV, be prepared. They might cut some things. And come on, how long is that? Like two minutes? It's not even Less. that. It's not even that. And why did they have to cut that, you know? Ugh, oh, I so don't annoying. know. So anyway, that's my complaint for the week. Just like to okay. register that with the powers that be. <laughs> she would to like you. to register a complaint. <laughs> this is my complaint. Okay. Oh, anyway, um... <sighs> Speaking of Star Trek, because we're going to talk about Star Trek now. Oh, yeah. So the big announcement this week, um, they had teased this a couple of weeks ago, I guess, because we talked about it, that there was going to be a new animated series. And we were yes. all wondering what was going to happen. Well, they finally announced it. And it's going to be a comedy animated series. Yes. Which I think is a great idea. Um, I am and- so looking forward to this because... The type of humor they're describing and the setting they're describing is one of the things you see in fanfic a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there have been some very, very funny stories, you know, written about these unknown crew members who we mm-hmm. never see. And uh, and there's also been, I remember one in particular that was both scary and touching. And oh, anyway, but um, yeah, so very excited about this. I am super excited about it. And they have, it seems, the right people who were working on it. And I was reading, there's an article in the Collider, which I'll link to, that gives a lot of information. And the guy who's running it, I didn't know this. Um, he's a longtime fan. 
And mm-hmm. in 2011, he started a Twitter account where he posted episode plots to a fake season of Star Trek Next Generation. I think we've read some of those on the show. Oh, I think so. Yeah, that sounds they, familiar. They were really, really funny. Uh, so that was his introduction. I mean, he's a, a super Star Trek fan and he knows everything. He's really well versed in it. And so I think it's going to be great. My only, only worry is that it could definitely be a little too smug and ironic and hipster like Mm self-congratulatory humor and that would be really bad so i hope it doesn't go down that path yeah because i'm not i've never watched rick and morty or bojack horseman so i'm not familiar with that but um one of the things i don't think i've run across in the things i've read about this what ship is this the lower decks of i don't think it says yeah it's a ship (laughs) <laughs> yeah any, any old ship i don't know a ship so we'll find out um who knows Could this is uh, um i just before we started recording i sent lena another article about it that i really enjoyed but i love this one paragraph and it's talking about why this is the time star trek needs this mm-hmm. and it's it's filled out its universe in so many directions and so many ways, and it, it needs this color now. Mm-hmm. But it's saying, this is a universe so well-behaved that no one's ever been caught having relations in a holodeck, showing up for work hungover, talking smack about the captain, and accidentally <laughs> broadcasting it over the ship's intercoms. <laughs> See, I think you and I have written all those situations in well, stories. you know what? I was thinking, I was thinking, boy, I might maybe send this to them. I wrote a story, and it's actually in script form. About these two dingbat crew women who are gossiping away and one hits the wrong thing (laughs) and they keep gossiping and they're going, hey, was the floor all covered with water before? (laughs) I don't think that's water. And pretty soon it's up to their chins and they're, you know, they're about to go under. And it's just such a silly, silly little like play but i'm thinking i could send that to them you could it's a good idea they could make that into an episode because i'm thinking yeah that's the type the you know type of thing and oh i remember they have a discussion in about what color is your underwear today (laughs) it's red oh no you know (laughs) never do that never wear your red underwear so yeah i am excited about this I am too. What I love about all of these articles is that every single one of them has um, pictures from the animated series. Yes. Like you've never seen that so many times as you have in this week or every it's article. It's very true. But the other thing this article points out is, you know, animation is very different now. So, mm-hmm. you know, who knows what, what we're going to see. Yeah. You know, the, um, in the, the, the real, the animated series years ago, they tried to be sort of realistic to look like those people right mm-hmm. yeah this could be you know people people who who look like the simpsons or something it could be that kind of drawing where they don't you know the simpsons don't look like real human no, beings no. yeah you know. and who knows it could be anything it could be yep. realistic it could be cartoony it could be just you know most of mm-hmm. the people could be aliens that could happen that would be mm-hmm. cool too yeah and i think a lot is going to depend also on the people that they get to do the the voice acting oh, so yes. let us hope that they choose some really good people and that they don't go for like stunt casting on that because that would suck yeah yeah they need people who are, are familiar with the animated form yeah. So, hooray! I'm very happy. I'm I'm happy about it too. Now, I haven't read anything that said when this is hitting the. I'll call them airwaves, although it's on <laughs> CBS All All Access. So, um, I don't think it says. I don't think anybody knows. They just announced that it's going to mm-hmm. happen. So, uh, presumably next year. But who knows? I mean, animation's faster than filming, but it's not that much faster if they no. got to make a whole season of it. You know. But you know. Um, South Park turns out a show a week. That's true. They use a very limited kind of animation. Though, I know, and, and it's kind of fun. <laughs> oh, it is. I mean, I, it, it was a huge breakthrough when they did that, that it's basically cutouts that are moving yep. around. So I don't know. I mean, they could do that. They could mm-hmm. do a lot of things. So who knows what they'll end up doing. I guess we'll have to wait to get more information. I but guess. Yes, they could do a show a week if it was cutouts. That'd be fun. <laughs> I just hope it's not like Clutch Cargo. 
uh, with puppets? I don't think so. Well, no, Clutch Cargo <laughs> wasn't puppets. It was like a comic strip. It was completely still. Oh. But they had oh, put the lips. The lips. In. The lip move. That's and then in the think- next still, you know, those people had lips. That's right. I was thinking You could almost not call it animation. No, not really. Not really. Oh, good. All right. Well, that's a good one. Um, now, speaking of other Trek things, we could talk about our Runaway a little bit because yes. we watched that. And there's a new one coming up in a couple of weeks because right. they're, they're kind of doling them out. So um, as you guys all know, in while we're waiting for the next season of Discovery, they're showing these things called short treks. And they're this one was like, I don't know. 12 minutes or something maybe it was a little bit longer than that mm-hmm. um and it was a, just a little standalone story and it was about tilly and i really liked it i thought it was cool i liked it too and i really hope that in the 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 full series the regular series we're gonna see some more of poe i mm, found that mm-hmm. to be such an interesting character yeah it was great i i thought the way they introduced her um, and the way that the two of them interacted and then mm-hmm. kind of solved the problem really quickly, mostly because of Tilly's knowledge and everything. Mm-hmm. Like she didn't use her superpowers. She just used her normal knowledge and everything right, to get right. this, this stowaway off the ship. It was really good. And, and how nice that the two main characters were both women. Yes. How yes. incredibly refreshing. And both of them while well, working together, but also, um, you know, Tilly was fighting this issue of her mother, and I'm going, I'm getting a little tired of characters having troubled relationships with their parents all mm-hmm. the time. I mean, mm-hmm. I know people do, but anyway. But also, you know, Poe trying to carve her own destiny out mm-hmm. in, in the face of a lot of obstacles. So I really liked that. Yeah, and I also liked that she was super smart. You know, mm-hmm. And the two of them were sort of like having a rap battle with science. They were. <laughs> very cool. That was really good. Yep. They were one-upping each other. <laughs> yeah. So it will be very interesting to see how much of the stuff in the short treks carries over into the series, whether mm-hmm. they can do that or not. But I really liked it. I'm really looking forward to the next one. And I cannot wait for Discovery to come back. I'm so impatient right now. I just want it. <laughs> well, the other thing is um, I was really surprised at – you know, the quality, they had gone to the trouble of doing special effect and, mm-hmm. you know, good, yeah. thing, good things, you know, and obviously a lot of time went into designing the look of this character. Yeah. So, you know, it was just, it was, it was a treat. And I think that's what it's meant to be. I totally agree. It was really good. Yeah, it didn't look like it was a a student project, right? Like I, right. I think that's always the fear. Oh, they're making a short thing. They're going to do it on the most limited of budgets. But no, it was just like a chunk of a regular episode. That's right. Yeah. So that was very enjoyable. Yes. Um. Now there's been a lot of talk, but it did, of course it's not complete enough talk to tell us, um, what the next one is. But it's kind of been sounding like. It's going to be the one by um, Michael Chabon. Is that how you say his name? I think so, yes. Because there has been so much talk about that lately. Yeah, Yeah. so So it looks like it's a new character who's in it that we haven't met before. And I think I read that this is their way of introducing a new cast member through the short trek. And he's going to be Oh, well, then this is different because Chabon's takes place 10,000 years after Discovery. Oh, see, I didn't know that. Okay, very interesting. All mm-hmm. right, that's super cool. Okay. Yeah. And I wanted to share something that was on our Facebook. Anyway, I posted a thing about um, they they were teasing us again with um, they will um, address the issue, here we go, of why Spock never mentioned that he had mm-hmm. this sister. Mm-hmm. We had some really funny answers from from listeners, so I'm going to keep trying to find it. If you want to jump on to the next uh, thing, sure. Well, I wanted to mention in the news department because we do have a news department this week. Yeah, Bill now has put up items for his 2018 Hollywood Charity Horse Show Fall Auction, mm-hmm. and some of the things that you can bid on are the booze that we had posted pictures of to the Facebook group. So you can get the James T. Kirk bourbon. It's the first bottle that they made. Um, it's the first bottle off the production line, and it's signed by him. And it's also signed by James T. Kirk, for what it's worth. Um, 
Who did the James T. Kirk signature? Well, so I posted this on the Facebook group that I looked at that signature and was like, where the hell did they get that from? And then I found an item that was somebody had put a picture of on the internet. Um, it was a, a card that Bill had signed as William Shatner, and he'd also signed it himself as James T. Kirk oh. for some charity thing. Mm-hmm. And I believe what they did was they had somebody like trace over Bill's James T. Kirk signature, and then oh. they embossed it on the bottle. But it doesn't look very good. It looks like somebody did it with a very unsteady hand when they when they copied it. Uh huh. And I wonder why they just didn't get Bill to do a new one for right. this. Right. But it doesn't look like they got him to do a new one. It just looks like kind of a crappy reproduction of the old huh. one. Anyway, let me just run through the rest of these really quickly. So there's the 10 Forward Vodka, also signed by Bill. You can get this sweater that he wore or a jacket. You can get a personalized LP or CD, copies of his book, uh, Captain Kirk action figure. You can get TV Guide that he signed, um, a bunch of other things that he's been in. And then I guess there's other things. Oh, one thing is cool. You can get the World of Susie Wong playbill signed by Bill. That's kind Ooh, of cool. Yeah. That's, that's like a rarity. But then there's things that I guess other people have donated, like mm-hmm. um, pictures of Nellie Olson from Little House on the Prairie that are autographed by the actress who played her. And then um, you can get a set of a box set of the Dune books. And then you can get a hot orange tart scented candle. Donated by who? I mean, it's I. My impression. I've never followed up on it to find out what it was. Was that you know other Hollywood people and stars like Nellie Olson and stuff contribute yeah. stuff. So who's this hot orange scented candle from? Uh, it's the girl who, or woman, I should say, who played Nellie Olson on Little House on the mm. Prairie. I guess that's her business now, is making hot orange tart scented candles, so she donated one. Oh, how nice of her. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want that bourbon, the price is almost $500 right now, Ooh! and bidding's open for like another month or so, so that's <laughs> a little pricey, a little bit pricey. Yeah, and it's like, what, negative... 800 years old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, it is. It is negative 800 years old. Okay. okay. Um, t- what's the thing on Facebook? Okay, I posted this thing about Star Trek Discovery. Season 2 will reveal why Spock never mentioned his sister. Mm-hmm. And so I said, top 10 answers. Everybody can play. And I put on, he thought she was the maid. <laughs> then... Jan says he was playing a decades-long game of (laughs) hide-and-seek. Claudia said she always hid in Ichaya's fur. (laughs) I like this one. Leanne said he thought Cybok was just going through a phase. Uh And I put she violated canon. And um, also, mom always liked her best. (laughs) So if you guys have other reasons why he never brought her up, we want to hear them. I like Cybok was going through a phase. (laughs) So do I. (laughs) And the hide and seek one. That's also good. Yes, yes. Those are all good. I like all those reasons. (laughs) Yes. And and who knows, they might be better than the actual reason that they give (laughs) on the show. Well, you know, it's it's probably something no outworlders may know. Oh God, that's one no. of my favorites. Oh. <laughs> that's like that's like the Vulcan reset button or something. Oh, you know, it you is. Can, you can get out of anything by saying that. I I loved that, and I know I've said this before in Trials and Tribulations. Worf basically says the same yes. thing when they ask him about the, mm-hmm. why the Klingons look so different. But in that case, it's really funny because. No one ever does talk about it. That's what the thing with the Vulcans is like, no, no. And nobody ever talks about this. And it's like, no, everybody knows about this. Well, this like, this upcoming season, the Vulcans are going to have hair and all. Uh, so maybe they're going to address some of these, you know, uh, not Vulcans, what are they? Klingons, sorry. Um, mm-hmm. They're going to address some of these different fashion trends that the uh, Klingons <laughs> have gone through. Ah, uh, we'll see. I bet they're not going to say shit about anything. They're just going <laughs> to do it and not explain it. And we're all just going to sit there and go, okay, sure, whatever. Let's well, then just... I saw another one this week that said by the end of this season, they will have totally tied up with canon and explained <laughs> everything. 
Sure. They're going to have a unified theory of Star Trek. No. And I'm going, hmm, 50 years fans have been trying to make a unified theory of Star Trek. And fans know this so much better than the professionals do. Um. It'll be fun. We'll see what happens. It will be fun, but they definitely won't do it. Let me just say as an aside. um, Okay. So to talk about Doctor Who for a second, which I'm really digging. Okay. um, The guy who's running the show now, Chris Chibnall, um, Mm -hmm. said before the season had started, he was like, it's all going to be fresh. We're going to start new. We're not going to have any references to old stuff. No old villains. We're not going to do this. And what does he do right out of the gate? He has the doctor using Venusian Aikido, which was something that the third doctor was really famous for. Oh, wow. Okay. And as soon as that was in, I was like, oh, so he's lying about everything. Like, mm. So now and whenever he says anything about what's going to happen or what might not happen, I am going to say it's a lie. And he's just trolling us, just like Moffat did for all those years. Well, yeah. Well, I have to say, like you, I am enjoying the new Doctor Who. I really love Jodie Whittaker. Mm-hmm. But I was, and I think I'm in the minority from the things I've read, I was totally unimpressed by the Rosa Parks episode. It just, what? So there's this guy who's trying to stop it because he's a futuristic racist or something. And I'm going, okay, so he's going to be the big villain mm-hmm. for at least this season. Mm-hmm. And we're supposed to be going, wow, who is this? Where is he from? What's his motive and everything? And I, I don't care. <laughs> I'm not interested in him in the least. So, you know, maybe they're going to kick it up and he's going to turn out to be interesting. But it's like, you know, the doctor sent him away and I went, bye. So <laughs> we'll see. I think he's probably going to come back. Actually, what I liked about that scene was it wasn't the doctor. It was Ryan who who was like threatening him yes, with, with yes. a device and he pointed it at him. And that's always the scene where, where the character presses a thing and it doesn't work. Uh-huh. And he pressed it, and it worked. And I was like, oh, that's different. I don't think I've ever seen that in a show before. Oh, I so didn't I quite know that was that. loaded. <laughs> uh, exactly. It was exactly right. So I, I quite like that. Well, we'll see where it goes. We'll see mm-hmm. what happens. But yeah. I am really digging her. She's very good. Okay. Um, I want to talk a little bit about this list I ran across this week. <laughs> yes. Of the 25 best Star Trek characters, best members of the crew. Yeah, well, I liked it because of where it ended up, so that was So good. did I, so did I. But um, some of them, I was going, really? And, of course, some of them were from series I never watched, so I, I don't know. But um, it was very sad that, you know, Uhura is at number 23, but they pointed out they made very little use of her. Yes. You know, we didn't get to see how proficient and wonderful she is. Mm-hmm. They put Chekhov in about exactly the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, where was the, some of the ones I really liked? You know, what I thought was interesting was that in so many of the cases of Uhura and Chekhov and and other folks from other series, what they basically said was, this was a great character and the writers just didn't know what to do with them. Yes, yes. And that's like, yep, that's pretty much right for most of those Mm -hmm. characters. Oh, I I did like what they (laughs) said about Riker. And he's at number... 12 and it said the only reason he isn't higher on this list is that he has a weak start and a weak dismount beardless <laughs> beardless Riker was just a stick in the mud when the show uh-huh. began and when the movies were wrapping up he was just a caricature of a generic action hero but I like that they're they're classifying him as beardless Riker and I, I gotta say when he got the beard and there was the episode with Q and Q said to him you weren't like this before the beard that's like one of my favorite lines from TNG <laughs> That it's they, true. They made such a big deal out of that beard. Oh, it was true. It completely transformed him. It turned him into <laughs> a guy with a sense of humor, which was what he always meant to be. And it was, you know, it was beard acting, really good beard, beard acting. Well, as as Jonathan Frakes always said, one of his m- most impressive talents as an actor was being tall. <laughs> yes. And, I love that he says that, and every time I watch TNG, that's all I can think about is him sort of lurking behind um, yes. Jean-Luc Picard, being very tall and imposing and not actually saying very much, but there he is. You know he's there. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, wow, is he tall. What a talent. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I know a number of actors, you know, who say, well, I got my equity card because the costume fit. You know, it it's many times has nothing to do with your ability. Right. It's like, you're there in the costume fits, put them in. Right. I was really surprised that they put Spock at six. 
That was very interesting to me. And like yes. the, the, you're going, okay, who did they rank higher than Spock? And and then there's Archer, oh, Janeway, Cisco, Jean Luc. So it's like he came after all the captains. Yeah. And I'm going. I would put him in the number two slot. And I honestly thought they'd put him in the number one slot just because so many of these stupid lists do that. Mm-hmm. So that was that was kind of surprising. But they did get the number one slot right. <laughs> and the, it's Kirk. And it's of a picture course. of him totally eye-fucking us. I can hardly even read it for looking into his <laughs> lion eyes. But I love this. Was there any doubt as to who would be at the top of this list? When measuring Starfleet characters against one another, the truth is that Captain Kirk essentially set the standard. Without yes, 100% him, correct. we would never be able to tell a good Starfleet officer from a bad one. Yes. Over the years, Kirk handled it all, from cloaked Romulan invaders to angry Klingons to an entire mirror universe filled with evil. Through it all, <laughs> he exemplified courage and command. Yes. And while some fans mocked Shatner's over-the-top portrayal, it was clear that Kirk was in charge of every situation, no matter how insane it got. Yes. And he was from day one, from the minute he was mm. on there, he was in control. You, first, first minute. They could have done a first shot of a, a, a crowd of Starfleet people, and I swear to God, you would still pick out which one's the captain. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that was good. Yes, I like that list very much. Mostly yes. because Kirk was number one, where he yes. should be. Yeah, and looking mm, so good. <laughs> good list. Good list, really good list. Now, to go from the sublime to the ridiculous, as we often do. We do. Um, I would like to, to call attention to this ridiculous article in The Sun, the UK Sun, called, called Beam Me Up, Hottie. Science fiction swingers crash a Star Trek convention for some out-of-this-world sex. Some fans who attended the hugely popular three-day event in Birmingham took to swingers sites to seek out other Randy delegates, it says. Well, first of all, crashes. They did not crash. Yeah, that's just it. These people went to the Star Trek convention. They <laughs> bought tickets and they wanted to have sex with other people who like Star Trek. Uh-huh. And, you know, I personally have never done that at a convention. But I'm not in the least bit shocked that it happens. Of course. I mean, people are hooking up at conventions all the time. Yes. This just happened to catch somebody's attention on some mm -hmm. swingers site, I guess. Um, so the entire article, which I, the pictures are kind of good. There are pictures of really yes. good costumes from the convention, mm -hmm. is ridiculous because all it says, it, it just has like quotes from these uh, things that were posted on a swingers site like mm -hmm. uh, fabswingers.com. Someone says, is anyone else going this year? Be cool to hang out at the after parties. Oh, that's, that's Randy. That's kinky. Um, anyone else going this weekend? Yes. I'm going to be down there on Thursday morning. Like this is just people talking to each other. Yeah. Looking forward to a hopefully great weekend. <laughs> Yeah. So the best part were the final two lines after going through all this nonsense and then these pictures. Um, yeah. <laughs> Looking forward to a great weekend. Actors at the event include Michael Doran. No, that's not his name. It's yeah. Dorn, who played Worf the Klingon. And then the final sentence, William Shatner was charging $65 for a photo with fans and an autograph. And how much does he charge for banging? <laughs> It doesn't say. Yeah. But, but like, you know, the writer was typing this out and they ran out of things to write. And they were like, well, I guess I'll just put down that Shatner was charging $65. The end. Goodbye. And then yeah, because they needed 150 words or whatever. <laughs> no. I know that's how correct. that goes. <laughs> yep, that's exactly right. So, and then they did put a picture of Bill, um, not by himself. It's right. from. Um, uh, Arena. The, the, is oh, it no, Arena? that's the video no, no, no. clip. It's, it's from um, Plato's Stepchildren. Yes. Okay. I want to read a little bit of this article from Buffalo Rising. <laughs> that was a which, good article. It is, but I thought, I think maybe it's um, from Buffalo, New York. I don't know. I think so, but, yeah. Um, it says, Unconventional Center, Kobayashi Maru. This is second in a series. 
And it starts out, and I'm reading it, I'm going, okay, this is another one of those articles where they're going to try to use Kirk or Picard or the way Starfleet set up as a metaphor for a business organization. Mm-hmm. And they're going to get so much of Star Trek right. Well, by about three sentences in, my jaw was dropping open because they get it right. <laughs> and that's what was stunning to me. Here it says, don't you just hate no-win situations? One minute you're out enjoying a routine training cruise in the Gamma Hydra sector, which is just beautiful this time of year. And the next you get a distress call you can't refuse from the USS Kobayashi Maru, inconveniently calling from the neutral zone. But before you can get to it, you're confronted with three battle cruisers loaded for bear. You can either leave people to face a horrible death or risk starting an interstellar incident and probably become space toast in the process. Neither option is acceptable, but you have to pick one or the other. I really hate star dates like that. And I'm going, every detail of that is right. Yeah, it was great. It's so good. Um, I could not believe how long this article was. Oh, I know. It's like a novella. Yeah, um, and it's about their county legislature funding or not funding something. <laughs> it's like a, a convention center or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's really, really good. And it basically goes through all the details of, of how they were choosing or not choosing these different places and why it was a no-win scenario for various reasons. And this person who wrote it, it seems to have a lot of inside knowledge about everything that's going on in Buffalo. So okay. um, if, if you're interested in the town of Buffalo, New York, and their new stadium, this is a good article to read. Um, What I also really like is that each subsection has uh, a a picture from a Star Trek episode. Yes. And and a little title, like, um, there's one called The City parens block on the edge of forever and it's it's kirk pointing up to the stars and the caption said someday all those buildings will be torn down and replaced with an ugly concrete bunker and and edith says i don't believe it that sounds like science fiction (laughs) i like the one let's meet the candidates it's the 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 frank gorshin episode where it's half white and half black and you know yeah this this is good it's really good. Yep. The trouble with rubrics. So <laughs> it, it's a great article. I wish I understood more of what it was about, but apparently mm-hmm. it's something that people feel quite passionately about. Um, so yeah, it's great. It's it's really great. Yep. So, you know, um, kudos to the writer of this yeah. for either really knowing this stuff or doing his or her homework. Yes. That is, that is good points. Good, good, good <laughs> points. Oh, okay. Well, listen, we've been talking for about half an hour, so let's take our little break, and then we're going to come back with so many reviews. So So many many reviews. So many. Many, many. Okay. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Listeners, we would love to hear from you. Send us email at lookathisbutt at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook and leave us a comment. Tell us your Trek news. Now we're back. Now we're actually back. Okay. So we have been listening and watching and reading and doing all kinds of things for you because we wanted to tell you about them. So there's a Star Trek Facebook group called uh, Star Trek, the original series. What a good name. You can see why I'm part of it. (laughs) And somebody mentioned, uh, there's one person on there who always posts birthdays for everybody on Star Trek and all the guest stars uh, from the original series, which I think is kind of nice. And usually Mm -hmm. they'll put together a little photo collage. And if they've passed away, it'll say when they did. And I thought that was neat. So it was Susan Oliver's birthday recently. And um, they put up some really nice photos. And then somebody else said, there's a documentary about her called The Green Girl. And it's really good. And everybody should go watch it. And I was like, how did we not know about this? So it's on Amazon Prime right now. So if you have Amazon Prime, you can watch it for free, which I did last night. And um, I wanted to tell everybody about it. And you can make up your own minds if you want to watch it or not. Because I'm not going to give it an unqualified, like, yes, it's great. 
it was kickstarted and they started making it in 2013 and they finished it in 2014. So it's several years old by now. And in fact, some of the people who he interviewed, the documentary maker, have since passed away, which is kind of sad. It's, if you ever wanted to know anything about Susan Oliver, it's in this documentary. Oh, no editing, yeah. huh? <laughs> um, it, it was really good about showing how much work she'd done. So I don't think I ever really realized that she was one of those people in the 60s who was basically in every TV show that there was. Yes. She guest starred on everything. She you know did. Not unlike other actors. Lots of mm -hmm. actors just had a career of being on every TV show. And she was on long-running TV shows multiple times. Um, apparently, there was like a clause in the contracts that said if it was a show like Bonanza or The Virginian or something, you could only mm -hmm. be on it once a year. So those type of actors got hired once a year to be a different character on that yep. show for yep. as long as it ran. So they were on it like eight times because mm -hmm. they were just there every year. She um, started out wanting to be a movie star. She'd done some stage work. She came to California. She got a contract at um, Warner Brothers Studios, but then there was a movie that she didn't want to be in, and then Jack Warner got really pissed off and said, that's it, no more movies for you. And she basically was never able to get roles in movies again after mm -hmm. that, not unlike many other people in Hollywood when they came on the bad side of uh, you know, one of the studio owners. Yeah. So she did tons and tons of TV work. And as they pointed out, the thing that she's probably best known for is being Vina in mm -hmm. The Cage or The Menagerie. And the thing about this documentary, you know, it was called The Green Girl. And they spent maybe two minutes talking about Star Trek. Aww. And I just thought, you know what? <laughs> maybe you should have spent a little bit longer talking about that, given that they showed clips from basically everything she'd ever been in mm -hmm. and so many interviews. I mean, the interviews were good with people that she'd worked with, with her family and other folks in Hollywood who had known her, you know, her friends. And yet they really did not make much of a deal about her being the green girl mm -hmm. which I just thought was really strange you know that's the thing that she's probably best known for you know in spite of like hundreds maybe of TV credits that's the one thing and they just kind of glossed over it like yep this was one of the other things that she did mm -hmm. and that seemed really strange and then they never talked about what it was like post Star Trek and as she got older and the, the roles you know fell away as mm -hmm. they do for women over a certain age that she must have gone to conventions. She must have, you know, gotten some notoriety or, or at least some work doing autographs. They never said anything about that. And was there any mention, um, had anybody ever asked her and they knew what her answer was, you know, what it was like doing that, doing Star Trek? No. No? <laughs> Jeez, that's, that's a bad documentary. Yeah, so I was really very disappointed at that. Um, very sadly, she passed away in 1990 from cancer. Mm -hmm. And even more sadly, she died because she, when she found out she had cancer, she went to Mexico and got like quack medical treatments. Uh, and she, you know, she didn't have pancreatic cancer, which is like almost always fatal. She had mm -hmm. um, colon cancer, which is treatable. And she did have surgery for it eventually. Mm -hmm. But because she waited so long, that was probably what killed her. So that was really sad. Aww. I was like, oh, she could have lived, you know. Yeah. Um, her life story was mm. really interesting. Her mom <laughs> was an astrologer to the stars. Like, yeah, and oh, um, <laughs> they lived together for a long time, and it sounded like they had a very fractious relationship and that her mom was pretty much an overbearing mm. influence in her life. Um, she never got married, although she dated, like, every guy, every good-looking guy in Hollywood, which, you know, good for her. Just didn't find one that she wanted to settle down with. I wonder if she dated Bill at any mm -hmm. point. They didn't mention it, but, you know, the way he kind of uh, knew all the, the pretty women. Got yeah, around. you'd be surprised if that happened. Yeah. She was um, huh. an award-winning aviator, so she learned to fly, and she flew planes and gliders wow. and all kinds of things and, and tried to fly. Well, she flew across the Atlantic and tried to fly to Russia, so that was kind of cool. Um, mm -hmm. So... It's an it's it's interesting up to a point, and then the last part of it, I guess maybe the last half hour, it's talking about what happened as the TV roles started to fall off. She really wanted to direct, 
and she went and learned basics of directing. She actually directed an episode of MASH that I, I sort of remember. That was really good. She directed wow. an episode of Trapper John, MD. But she could not uh-huh. get work as a director because she was a woman. And she tried to write scripts and yep. sell them, and they wouldn't sell because she was a woman. And she didn't have a lot of roles open to her because she was older and she wasn't as pretty. Even though at the age of, like, 55, she was still incredibly good-looking, you know, like, just very mm-hmm. photogenic. And her eyes were always beautiful, and she was still a really good actor. But she just – there was no place for her left in Hollywood and there's a little bit of speculation Jeez. that, you know, part of the reason why maybe she passed away so early was that she was just tired, tired of fighting it and not being able to have a career. Mm-hmm. And she had some real estate investments and got swindled out of them by unscrupulous partners. So all the money that she had ever made, she sort of mm. lost and it was pretty difficult for her at the end. She sounded like a great person. And I, I think they could have done a little more justice to her in this documentary. And after it was over, I just kind of went, wow, that was depressing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ooh, I'm so, glad I, didn't I don't know <laughs> I mean it, it was interesting and cool and all that but man it was depressing I felt so bad for her you know a, a strong willed mm-hmm. talented woman who just couldn't get anything done in Hollywood because of the horrible chauvinistic yeah. attitudes of people who were there yep ah, sigh so mm-hmm. um if you're interested, listeners, it's on, as I said, Amazon Prime. You can watch it for free. I think to rent it is like three bucks or something. So if you're interested in Susan Oliver, this would be the thing. She actually did write an autobiography, which was mostly about her experiences flying, which is um, out of print and hard to find. But I think you can still find it on eBay oh. if anybody's interested in that. Okay. Yeah. So that's what I did. That's what I did for us this week. Okay. Well, Moving on, yeah. I listened to Why Not Me. <laughs> and as you mentioned in our, our last show, I listen to a lot more country music than, yes. than you do. And then uh, many people I know, I I wouldn't say I'm, I'm a wild, crazy fan, but, you know, I do enjoy it. And um, I pulled it up here for the show on Amazon where the songs were listed, and there were comments. And you said, how can there be comments already? And I said, well, it came out on Friday. There are two comments. (laughs) And they both love it. They think it's great. And I'm listening to it. I'm going, no, this is not great. And I'm not (laughs) saying I'm an expert or anything. But for lack of a better word, Bill's style, Uh not just of music and speaking, but his subject matter and how he approaches it does not fit country music. Mm-hmm. And I honestly thought, now it, I got to get the name of the guy. Uh, Jeff Cook, who is a member of Alabama country group, uh-huh. uh, was the producer on this. And I honestly thought the instrumental backgrounds and everything, you know, the pickers and everything, very bland. Mm-hmm. N- n- low, you know, not good energy or, or things like that. There were a couple um, songs uh-huh. that I think you could have pulled them off of here and get Ben Folds to rework, oh. and they would have fit right into Has Been. Okay. And that's part of what made Has Been so great is I think Ben Folds really tuned into Bill yeah. and what his style of thinking was, his approach mm-hmm. to these subjects, and musically he did that. And that's what's not happening here. It's kind of like Bill is doing this and here's some background music mm-hmm. on a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there there was nothing really that made me, oh, boy. The one I did enjoy, well, there is two, actually, Beam Me Up, uh-huh. because that has the sort of wordplay in it that I enjoy in country songs. Uh-huh. So that's where I think he came the closest lyrically. To, to doing that. The other one is the very last one is That's What Dreamers Do. Mm-hmm. Now, there is a, a, a famous ballad called that. This is not that. This is something right. different. But I really like the words and the music that was playing in the background. I like, too. And I was thinking, I would really like to hear this sung by somebody mm-hmm. to, uh, to see what what the melody of that is. But the rest of it just... It just did not do it for me. What did you think about the song Shoulda Loved? Did you think it was about Noreen? Oh, yes. 
Yeah. Okay. Good. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And pretty anguished on that song, doesn't mm-hmm. he? Well, and um, oh, the, his his most recent book, what I've learned so far. Mm-hmm. Have you read that yet? Yes, I have. Okay. Whenever he talks about her, that pain sounds really fresh. Yeah, it does. Very fresh. Agreed. Um, did you like the song that's called What Some People Throw Away? Because I kind of like that song. Yeah, that was good. That was that was good. Um, friends Don't friend, Let Friends Drink Alone to me was a rehash of a, a Garth Brooks song called <laughs> I Got Friends in Low Places. <laughs> you know, so um, uh-huh. yeah, there, there were some good things, but I, I just felt like this never really gelled mm. lyrically, musically, stylistically. I'm sure Bill loves country music, and mm-hmm. country music is a blast to sing along to. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. And I also feel, you know, that that Ben Folds album, boy, that was just a, uh, as they say, lightning in a bottle kind of deal. It really it, was, yeah. It felt like it. It really did gel. Like it felt like mm-hmm. an album, right? It didn't feel like a collection of songs. Yeah, but it I had also, a wholeness to it, a, a it, completeness. It did, and it also felt like it was Benfold pushing Bill in a lot of directions. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like he's been challenged like that. Yeah, you know, he's done these different things. He did that uh, like heavy metal kind of stuff that he released last year, which was goofy. And Mm -hmm. he's doing this country music thing. But it doesn't feel like whoever is in charge of the production is really pushing him to create something new out of it. It's like you said, there's sort of this okay studio music in the background. And then he's Mm -hmm. doing some words over the top of it. But it's not like He's he's really trying to find yeah. a new thing in it the way he did with all the songs on Has Been, basically. Well, I think you're right about what the working relationship was between Ben Folds and Bill. Mm-hmm. And after Has Been came out, and people were shocked by the quality of that, um, Ben Folds said if every artist was as willing to try something new and go mm-hmm. to different places as Bill was, I would do nothing but produce. Uh, uh-huh. Yep, that totally makes sense. You can tell. You can just tell. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. this, I mean, just thinking, every time I hear Common People, man, that song is on fire. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. So there was nothing on fire for me from, from no, the, no, that album. No, no, um, no. Yeah, and then I also listened to Silent Night. <laughs> uh-huh. Came I listened out. to that today. Yeah. Okay, uh-huh. you go first on this one. All right. Well, here's the thing. It's Bill and Iggy Pop, right? Right. Now, Iggy Pop can't sing. This Mm. is a thing that everybody knows. He has a style of shouting that's very appropriate for some of the songs that he's done. And when he does do, do, like, actual singing and he's not shouting it's it's intention i mean he has this very limited range but it works in some things and and i really love some of his old albums that he did with david bowie because bowie like crafted songs around this weird intonation that he Mm -hmm. has and they work really well they're kind of dark and strange and fun at the same time and i was like why are you having him sing silent night this isn't good yeah it's not good I, i don't I don't get it. Like, is it supposed to be funny? Is it supposed to be serious? Is it supposed to be both at the same time? I can't tell. Well, I'll tell you what I thought listening to Uh it. First of all, I think Silent Night is such a beautiful song. Mm -hmm. Uh, Melodically, so simple. The Mm -hmm. lyrics are gorgeous in English or German. I don't know how it is in other languages. Um, And I thought Bill's interpretation was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I then Iggy Pop this. comes in, and I'm going, yeah. oh. no, this should have either been Bill Solo or someone with a really, a, 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 a beautiful, warm voice that could be in the same groove as what yeah. Bill and what the music was doing. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, didn't we hear that, like, Judy Collins was going to be on that record? She should have done that. Why she should have been Judy on this Collins one. doing that? Yeah. Yeah, that would have been so much better. So, yeah. I agree. I did laugh, though, because of the way Bill does his pauses. So in the lyrics to Silent Night, um, the line goes, Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Yes. And the way Bill does it, he goes, Jesus. <laughs> it's like, did he just lose it in the studio up there? <laughs> and he does it twice. <laughs> it's 
so funny. It just sounded like, you know, somebody came in and interrupted him and he's like, you know, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I also like at the, at the end of the song where he just quietly says, silent night. Yeah. I thought, oh, that is such a neat choice. That's a wonderful way to just sort of wrap it up, you know. Yeah. So. I agree. Yeah. I like Bill's performance. I, I don't think it was a good pairing at all. So let's yeah. hope the rest of the album is better than that. Well, cause... you know what I was thinking about? Do you remember um, the uh, album John Lennon did with Yoko Ono called Double Fantasy? And everybody yes. said, this should have been a single fantasy. <laughs> well, I know someone who, like, recorded it and cut out all of Yoko's songs oh. <laughs> because it was every other one. You know, it was John, then Yoko. Uh-huh. John. And so then it was, this is a great album. <laughs> And that's what I'm thinking. Get Iggy Pop out of here. Really? So. Oh, so weird. All right. Well, let's fingers crossed for the rest of it being good. I mean, the Jingle Bells was funny. And it frightening. <laughs> but, um, I mean, so Judy Collins is singing White Christmas with him. And that sounds like on the surface, that sounds really, really mm-hmm. good. So but now we're scared. Is. Yeah. <laughs> could be anything. It could be anything. It could be. Okay. Well, thank you very much for um, listening to the whole record and talking about it. Um, Mm -hmm. We have a couple more things that we wanted to tell you guys. One is um, thank you, Kenneth Smith, for sending me the graphic novel Debt of Honor, which is um, a beautiful hardback that's illustrated by Adam Hughes, who's one of my favorite artists. And it's interesting because it's a um, movie era book and the... um, so it's not, you know, Kirk in his green shirt. It's mm-hmm. it's Admiral Kirk. And the art is really good. And it's funny, though. Whenever I look through one of these now, I look at a drawing and I'm like, I know what photograph they used as oh, a photo yes. reference for this because I've seen them all. So I haven't read it yet. I just kind of flipped through it. But the mm-hmm. art's gorgeous. And um, thank you for sending it. And as I said in my note, the it showed up a week late. And the envelope that it came in, thankfully, a really nice padded envelope looked like it had been, you know, to Romulan space and back. I don't know. It was all beaten up and torn and everything. Fortunately, the book did not suffer damage, but it was a lovely offer. Thank you very much. And Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to reading it. Okay. One last thing. There's a new podcast that's called Inglorious Trexperts. Um, as a professional namer, not quite so big on that name, um, but that's okay. It's hosted by Mark Altman and Robert Burnett, the guys who did Free Enterprise. Ooh, okay. Yep, and um, two other people who are on it, a guy named Darren Dockerman, who um, was the visual effects supervisor for the director's edition of Star Trek The Motion Picture, and Ashley Miller, who's a writer and producer on a bunch of uh, Marvel movies, and also this podcast called Lore that I used to listen to, which I kind of, it was like insufferable after a while, so I couldn't oh, listen to okay. it. But that's okay. Um, so it's pretty interesting. So it's the four of them talking about different Trek subjects. Like the very first episode was just about the cage and it, it's pretty good. I got to say, you know, these are people who work in Hollywood, so they mm-hmm. understand how things work and they sort of covered it from um, both a professional, but also from a fan perspective, because obviously they're all fans. Yes. And um, I thought they had a lot of really interesting commentary and they talked about how it was meaningful to them. Um the one guy, and I think it's Ashley Miller, does an amazing Gene Roddenberry impression. So whenever oh, wow. <laughs> they are quoting him, like the very first time he did it, I thought it was actually a piece of like recording of Roddenberry wow. talking. And I was like, oh, no, he's just imitating him. It's really funny. Oh, great. Yeah. So it's good. So it's it's like, you know, less than an hour and they cover different topics. And if you like listening to podcasts, I think despite the fact that it's four old white guys talking about Star Trek. <laughs> Which I generally is like a big no for me. Yeah, as soon as yeah. I hear it, um, I I would definitely recommend listening to it. I'll, I'll continue to recommend it, and if there are any episodes that are particularly good, I'll make sure. You know, just to go back for a second to the Green Girl. Yeah. This was another thing that I I was put off by a bit was that almost everybody they talked to was a guy, a white guy, <sighs> until later when they started talking to some of her fellow women directors and then we got to hear that which was great and Mm -hmm. some of her very close friends who um turned out one of her best friends was a black guy and she dated rosie greer for a while which i thought was kind of cool um and so she apparently had a really wide circle of quite diverse friends but Mm -hmm. all the experts with one exception they were all guys and like the the white guy perspective on it like that's right that's the view that hasn't been explored enough (laughs) 
and I understand that guys like Larry Nemechek, like he's good, you know, he's a good mm-hmm. Trek expert. So good, let's have him on because he can talk about the history of the Star Trek thing, which he did for a little bit. But all these other guys, it's like, oh, somebody else, please, please. <laughs> like, I'm just dying. These are the only people that you could find were white guys. Mm-hmm. Stop. Just stop. Anyway, I, I meant to say that earlier. Um, so... I will say, yeah, listen to Inglorious Trexperts. I think they're up to three episodes now, and it's on Apple Podcasts and other places where you get your podcasts, like this one. Well, I got to tell you something. Now you're mentioning podcasts. Yes. Um, I like podcasts. I know. When I'm at work in my group, which is a small group, but there's like three people who listen to a lot of the true crime podcasts. <laughs> I do that all the time. Okay, yes. <laughs> well, and they, they are talking about it. And I, I thought, oh, you know, they, do, they listen to it on the train going home or whatever. <clears throat> well, I come to find out, because one day two of them who sit across from me and one was saying, you got to listen to such and such. And uh, like 45 minutes later, the other one goes, oh, yeah, I just listened to it. It's great. And I realized they're listening to it at work all the time. And I'm going, I don't know how they do that. <laughs> and then, that's, when, that's when I realized I work harder than anybody else in this group. <laughs> but also, I used to be able to have music or TV or a lot of different things on while I was working and writing and everything. Uh-huh. I've lost that ability. And especially... <laughs> if I'm wearing headphones, because uh-huh. that those words are going straight to my brain, and my brain is so overtaxed and has to focus on what I'm doing. I don't have that kind of time at work to even listen to music, because again, it'll be on headphones, and that yep. just so pulls my focus, so I'm very jealous of, you know, people who can, who can do that, or anyway... I think um, it's definitely a quality that the younger generation has. Yeah. Like they're so used to having multiple inputs that they, they can do that. Um, I can only listen to podcasts when I'm working, if I'm doing something really boring, like mm-hmm. spreadsheet kind of work where I don't have to think about it. It's just like moving data from one place yeah. to another and then I can do it. But no, if I have to like write something or respond to an email, forget it. I'll totally distract it. Well, if I'm working at home, and it's not something where I really am having trouble grasping the concept, which happens to me in the field I happen to be writing in. If it's not anything like that, I can have music on. The music's playing on the other side of the room. I can even have the TV on if it's things I've already seen. Like, you know, I'll have Netflix running the office all day long because mm-hmm. I know all of those. You know, I can do things like that. But, man, I cannot, you know, put on my little you know iPod or anything like that not if I'm going to work so well I one thing I cannot do is have something on the television that I know is going to suck me in like Star Trek that's why it has to be things I've seen I I would love to be able to sit you know if I'm at home working in my living room and put Star Trek on in the background but I can't because I stopped (laughs) doing my work and I start watching Star Trek there's no way I cannot watch Star Trek when it's on (laughs) Star Trek can never be background noise for me it's just like I've tried and I can't and I just watch it and that's it and everything else goes away it's like oh is it midnight now I've been watching Star Trek for four hours whatever well um I don't know if I've ever told you this but years ago when you know I had my own business we got a huge project in and it required technically a little more quite a bit more computer power than we had and we only had one computer that could really handle this so my partner and I split the work and we worked like for a week fireman's hours where you know I worked 12 hours and left and he worked 12 hours Mm -hmm. and left and you know so like you're the only one in the office he took the the night 12 hours but I brought in because I knew the stuff I was doing was mostly um you know tracking and and stuff like anyway I brought in a tv and the vcr (laughs) and the whole suite as it existed at the time of the Star Trek movies. <laughs> and I popped them in one after another, just listening to them like a radio show uh-huh. and enjoying them and getting my work done. And I was going, wait, are we already on Star Trek four? That time just <laughs> zipped by. Oh, that's good. I, 
I wish I could do it, but nope, it won't happen. I'll just sit there with my dumb face turned to the television like, oh, this is a really good one. I'm going to watch this. Just five more minutes. Just five more minutes. Well, do you remember when uh, they first came out with the, the video iPods and I had the one with the little screen? Oh, yes, yes. And I ripped all the Star Trek episodes and I, I ran into a program that made them little. And I would get on the... Um, What's the elliptical. The, the elliptical. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and just go. I could watch an episode and without commercials. It was like 45 to 50 minutes. That's a mm-hmm. good amount of time on an elliptical. But uh, yeah, that was great. Yeah. Well, listeners, you're getting a look into how we consume our Star Trek, which is to say <laughs> in weird places at weird times. Um, but it's it's always there. It's, it's always there. always there. <laughs> Well, you know what? We are like at almost exactly an hour. This is amazing. It's great. Listeners, we need you to tell us, how do you consume Star Trek? Now I'm really curious. Like, yeah. do, people, do people put it on, do you put it on your iPad maybe to watch, like if you're on a plane or if you're going somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. do you um, have it, can you have it on as background or or do you get too distracted like me with the short attention span? Yeah. Like, I really want to know how people watch their Star Trek. There are people in the, um, that Facebook group I was mentioning earlier called the original series who's who are younger and say, you know, I've never watched it all the way through. And now because of um, Trek being on Netflix, they're just like watching the series through from the first mm-hmm. episode through the last. And they say, it's really a revelation to watch it like oh, that and yeah. to make it like some people are doing it every night. Like they come home from work, they have their dinner and they watch an episode of Star Trek and then they get through all 79 that way. You so. should ask, cause I would find this really interesting. If you're, if you would be willing to ask one of them to be interviewed on the show, because oh, well, a, yeah. a person who is coming to it fairly new and is younger than us, I think we could have an interesting discussion. Yeah. That's a really good idea. Okay. I'm right. I'm making a note to myself. Okay. Ask for interview. (laughs) (laughs) I'll remember what that's about. Yeah. (laughs) TOS Facebook group. Okay, cool. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, thanks for that. That's good. And, but, but, you know, for listeners for the show right now, if you feel like um, telling us how you consume your track, we would love to hear about it. Yes. And I want you to come up with more reasons why Spock uh, never mentioned that he had a sister. (laughs) He thought he was looking in a mirror the whole time. Oh. <laughs> <That's why>. Yeah. <laughs> sure. That would be it. I really right. do want it to be something that can't be discussed without worlders. Oh, I would love that. That would be the best answer. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we have been on for an hour. This is great. We have just packed so much stuff into this one show. Um, listeners as always thank you so much for continuing to be there for us and participating in the facebook group and sending us things in the mail we just we love you so much can we do thank you enough so um that's it please continue to send us email um you know leave comments on the facebook group and um tell us how you're celebrating your trek holiday season this year i do you know is there a new um hallmark ornament that's even worse than last year's Hallmark well ornament. i did see one in fact i've seen two uh one was it's just one of the enterprises oh, and now usually boring. they do two so there might you know still be something as tasteless as captain pike yeah but, um, i was thinking of Chekhov in the agony booth maybe that yeah yeah <laughs> um but then i saw this thing i thought oh this would be good for my little nephews but it's star wars they didn't have it in star trek but it was really cute they had done a really good job of making these like fur balls that were their heads and you could throw them at each other but they didn't do star trek oh losers losers total (laughs) losers all right okay that's it for now until we meet again listeners live long and potluck and we will talk to you soon bye bye